The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hey, AI Today listeners. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools handcrafted for you, our listeners, to expand your knowledge, dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. From books and materials ranging from fundamentals of AI to deep dives on implementing AI projects to AI ethics, tools, software, checklists, and more, our resources page will help you on your AI journey whether you're just starting out or you're well on your way. Check it out at aitoday.live slash list. That's aitoday.live slash L-I-S-T. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And on today's podcast, so we are in our fifth season of AI Today. Uh, You guys have been fantastic listeners uh, well over 200 and something episodes now. And, uh, you know, for over the past five years, <laughs> four plus years in our fifth season, um, we've done everything from interview the thought leaders on AI and what they're doing, especially folks who are putting AI into practice. If you haven't heard any of those podcasts, we got tons of those you should listen. We've also spent a lot of our time on uh, education, you know, really explaining kind of what is AI and what are all the components of AI and even more detailed aspects of the machine learning platforms and the, the, all the different phases in the CPMAI methodology, which we'll definitely drop a few times in this podcast to talk about. And also we've done our failure series. We've talked about ways in which AI projects are failing and the typical reasons why and how to get around those problems. And also, you know, we, we have dived a lot into market intelligence, the research on what is happening in this space, getting a, a finger on the pulse of the changing landscape for AI. But on this podcast, we're going to continue a little bit. We're going to actually blend two of those things together. We're going to give you a little bit of an education, <laughs> tell you a little bit about uh, the data layer, the data infrastructure layer. And also a little bit about kind of where markets are heading, kind of at a general, just to give you an idea. Um, and the reason why is because the foundation of doing all of this and everything we've been talking about is data. Exactly. So if any of our listeners, which we know many of you have, and thank you for that, if you've gone through our CPMAI, our Cognitive Project Management for AI Methodology and Certification course, you know that many times throughout the course, we talk about the DIKUW pyramid. And the, you know, that stands for data, information, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And the reason that we love this, you know, pyramid is that it starts with a foundation of data, because without data, you really can't do much else when it comes to AI, machine learning, cognitive technologies. And so we wanted to, you know, as the as the markets continue to evolve, we continue to evolve as well. And at Cognolytica, we're focusing more on different areas related to, you know, this whole cognitive technology space. So data, automation, analytics, and artificial intelligence and machine learning. So with that, you know, we said it's really important that we talk about this data uh, understanding. And we, if 
you've listened to some of our previous podcasts or followed some of our work, you know that we have what we call the layer cake. So we talk about, you know, how different areas of technology fit into that whole uh, artificial intelligence layer cake that we call it. So, you know, where does data labeling fit in? Where does MLOps fit in? Where do these industry-specific applications, so AI for sales and marketing or AI for, you know, customer service, where does that fit in? And so as we continue to expand and expand our coverage areas, so too does our layer cake need to expand. So we wanted to spend some time on today's podcast talking about this whole data infrastructure area of the layer cake. Yeah. And um, you might be thinking that, you know, we've had computers now for decades, right? You know, computers have really been in the enterprise since the 50s and 60s. You know, we didn't have many in the 1950s and 60s, but they were, they've been there. And of course, you know, the explosion of, of, of servers and, and mini computers, and then of course, personal computers and desktop computers. And now literally computers, computers everywhere. They're in the cloud. They're on your, in your pocket, they're like, you know, tiny little computers in your light bulbs. I mean, literally uh, machines everywhere, right? Generating just enormous quantities of data, right? And one of the things we talk about in our education a lot is that really a lot of the desire for putting machine learning into practice, and that's really advanced artificial intelligence, is we're trying to gain more value from this data. You know, simply storing it, moving it around, and then doing some processing on it after the you know data has long been generated um, is not uh, possible in situations where we need to do things instantaneously, like look at images and make a decision as to you know a security situation or you know, facial recognition or applications such as predictive analytics or you know you're ordering something online and you want to be recommended a product. You know the old ways of storing stuff in a database and then doing big queries, you know, clearly broke down when we moved into the internet age. You know and and on online commerce and the mobile world and social, you know, where people sending messages and Facebook is like, you know, having to connect all your friends together and send you messages on your wall in literally milliseconds, the old ways of dealing with data storage and query broke down really fast, right? And so ironically, you might have thought that, well, of all the areas of technology that things should be fairly stable, fairly well-developed, the areas of data infrastructure um, should be one of those areas of matureness and um, not changing. I, but you know, interestingly enough, this has been one of the most rapidly changing parts of the landscape. And when we talk about this landscape for data infrastructure, we're generally talking about a few categories of things: generating data, right? Just creating data out of nowhere, you know, for, or maybe from physical things, we need to digitize them and put them in the digital formats. We'll talk about that in a moment. Or it just could be like, you know, the data from devices or whatever, right? Then we have to store it. Once we generate it, we got to store it, right? Well, storing it, you know, putting it, locking it away in a cabinet doesn't do you any good. You got to query it. You got to get that data back. You know, putting it away is, is getting it back is more important than putting it away, right? So we have to deal with query, data storage and query. Then the next layer is I may have data in multiple places. I got to pull them all together in some cohesive way. This is the idea of data integration and bringing that data together. Of course, that data is not in similar levels of quality. We have all sorts of issues with missing data. We got to prepare that data. We got to clean that data. We got to transform that data, maybe curate that data, select from different places for the right reasons. And then we're like, oh, data's missing stuff. I got to augment that data. 
add more stuff to it, maybe for very specific reasons. Maybe the data is our image, but in order to train machine learning models, I got to put even more data on top of that data, drop boxes and annotations. And then I got to deliver all this together to the people who are, this has nothing to do with using it. This is all just to get it into a place where someone can actually make use of it. And that is the universe of what we're talking about with data infrastructure. Exactly. So we wanted to just spend a little bit of time, you know, Ron broke down at a very high level, the different layers within data infrastructure, and maybe just we'll go one level deeper and talk about say, okay, this is, you know, what's in these areas, and this is why we put them in these areas. So starting at the bottom, we have data generation. (laughs) We talk about how data is a foundational layer. You need to create that data somehow, right? It needs to be generated. And so there's a few different ways that you can you can generate data. You know, Ron talked about a bunch of different ways. But within our, our layer cake, we talk about digitization. So that's really taking non-digital, non-digital data and making it digital so that computers can understand that. Uh, and then also the area of synthetic data. And, you know, we said as as the markets continue of, to evolve, so do we. Actually, originally we said, well, maybe synthetic data can be part of data labeling because you need to, you know, have that data for different types of applications. So if, you know, we always bring up the example of when Amazon, Amazon Go was training uh you know, their machine learning for the stores, their computer vision, they said, okay, well, instead of having a human go and uh, pose in all these different different ways and have different items on the store shelf and have them reach for things, we'll just generate this data synthetically. And so originally we had it as part of data labeling, but then we said, you know what, actually, I think that data, synthetic data really does fall under the data generation category because that's what it's doing, right? You're just generating that data. So within the data generation uh, area, we have that digitization and synthetic data. Yeah, and you might be thinking creating data is not a problem, and and generally, generally that is sort of like the uh, the the curse of data, right? It just we just keep creating it. I mean, literally everything is creating data from the devices that you're on to the networks you're on to the people creating data themselves, making videos, taking pictures, typing text, you know, sending emails, writing voicemail. I mean. We will never have an end to all that data. And if you've been paying attention to Cognolytica's research and to our training, you'll know that much of that data that I just talked about is called unstructured data. And that is that, yes, it's in a form that computers can store because it's in bits. We have not invented a new way of storing information. Fundamentally, it is still a bits, zeros and ones sitting somewhere on some durable recording system somewhere, spinning drives or flash memory, whatever it is, that memory is stored in some digital format because computers, you know, it's still transistors. It's only ons and offs to them. But but a lot of this data doesn't have uh, much additional information because it's like, it's an image, but the image doesn't tell you that there's a person in it. The image doesn't tell you that, that or an uh, yeah, email file doesn't tell you that text file doesn't say it's an email and the, the person who sent its name is, you know, Kathleen you have to go in and do extra things to that data to basically extract it. And that's why it's called unstructured, that there's no structure. Now, there, of course, there has been structure. The vast majority of the data that we had pre-internet and pre-mobile and social and all that stuff was, was a lot of it was structured because we had databases and those databases had very well-defined schema. And you couldn't just put the first name anywhere you wanted to in the data 
that's generally what's known as called a blob. Uh, <laughs> your database people blob a binary large large object. It actually has a, a meaning for it. The reason why people call it blob. I mean, I know that blob actually means binary large object, but that just means that it's literally just it doesn't the, the database can't understand it. So you can't build a customer relationship management system with a bunch of blobs. You have to have a field called first name and a field called last name and an address field, and you need to have a field for every single thing that you care about. You know and um, I may have multiple databases and that's both a problem and an advantage. It's a, it's an advantage. If you can manage your data, the whole world of data architecture came about from trying to come up with these strategies for managing data. But when we entered this world of unstructured data, it kind of exploded <laughs> our old ways of managing data and it blew apart the old ways we did used to do data warehousing, all this sort of stuff. So we're actually now in a new evolution in how we not just generate data, but also store that data and query that data. Exactly. So, you know, we had this uh, revolution of big data. And so now I think most everybody understands big data, what it is, you know, again, in our in our training, our CPMAI training, we talk about this. Sometimes people call it the four Vs of data, the eight Vs of data, or somewhere in between. But it really is more than just that V volume, where yes, of course, it's a lot of data, but it's how do we really manage that data? You know, data can come in a variety of different formats. Data can come in varying levels of quality. Also, you can have, you know, data in doubt, data in motion. So we're with this, you know, idea of big data, we're able to really manage it now and store big data successfully. And then also query on big data as well, because we do what we don't want is for, you know, someone to say, okay, I need to get some information on this data. Let me go in there. And then five hours later, I'm able to get out what I need. We need we need things to be operating a lot faster than that. And so that's what this whole, you know, management of big data really has allowed us to do at the speed that we need it. Right. And as a matter of fact, I mean, the, just the just the needs for managing distributed data across all those different data forms, uh, unstructured data, structured data, data in a variety of different formats, led to the evolution of the so-called data lake, which is really more of a a conceptual approach. It's not really a product, although there's lots of products that you can buy that will help you build data lakes. And they're growing in popularity. These huge companies raising billions of dollars and going public and all that sort of stuff and open source as well. Um, but, but the data lake as a concept is this idea of let's just put all of our information into one place, conceptual place, that of course, generally meaning the cloud, uh, where we can later apply some logic and stuff to deal with this lake so that we can extract the value we not, we want when we need it, right? And not try to do the old approach, um, which was in data warehousing, which is the idea of extract, transform, load, where I have the warehouse in a very specific format and I extract data from all my different places and I put it into this warehouse in that format. That might have worked when the when you were in control of your CRM or your ERP or other kinds of enterprise systems where you you kind of knew that's like, well, I kind of know what I need. So I can everything's got a if I'm a product company, everything's got a price, everything's got a cost, whatever it is, you come up with all like you you could do with a big data architecture thing. Trust me, I've been there over 20 years ago. <laughs> 
And you have like these big charts and you're like, okay, here's what all my customers, internal customers say they want from the data. <clears throat> Sales team says they want this kind of customer information. Finance team says they want this kind of customer information. Logistics says they want this information, whatever. And you just put it all together, literally on a big board and you try to map it all together and you say, okay, great. I will build this one data warehouse that gives everybody what they want. And it pulls the data from what we need and it does that. But that, that stopped working, of course, when we started dealing with all this variable data where it's like, yeah, I want customer information, but it's coming from emails and websites and voicemail chats and images and blah, 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 blah. So the data lake kind of evolved for that. And of course, we needed new ways of querying the data. Google and Yahoo and those companies evolved that whole idea around things like MapReduce and the whole thing about Hadoop and the this and the that. We will get into this in more detail in a future podcast, but rest assured that even the area of storing uh, big data and querying big data is undergoing rapid change. And for all of those listeners who are thinking about this from the perspective of AI and machine learning, maybe you're a data scientist, you know, maybe you're a data engineer, and you might be thinking, why do I care about this stuff? And the reason is because you're not going to be able to get the data that you need for your models to train them to do whatever they did if you don't understand where and how that data is coming from. And that's the reason why we're spending some time on it. So anyway, that's the next tool. We just talked about data generation, talked about data storage. Now let's move our way up the stack a little bit and assume that we have the ways of storing or querying our data. Are we done with, with our data needs? No. <laughs> No. So now, you know, above that, we have this idea of data engineering and data ops. And within that, we break it down into a few different areas. So we have data integration, data preparation, and data augmentation. In that data integration, you know, yes, we have data. We have data in a variety of different formats. We have it in a variety of different areas. But what do we need to do? How do we integrate that data so that we can actually make sense of it? Yeah. So data integration has literally been around since the moment we've ever had more than one place to store our data. <laughs> We'd be like, I'm storing my data over here. You're storing your data over here. Oh, guess what? I need data from both places. Well, <laughs> how do I do that? All right. Was the beginnings of our data integration problems. And and for those of you that might know might not know my personal history, you know, I love the founder of Cognolytica, along with my fantastic co-founder and co-host here, Kathleen Walsh. We started this company in 2017. We were actually working together well before that, many years in the startup and tech ecosystem in the venture capital community. And before that, I had another uh, analyst firm focused on something called service-oriented architecture, which was focused on enterprise architecture. And we were talking about data integration back then. <laughs> and that's now it's actually the primary problem that we were having is, as companies were, were solving their Y2K problems, if you remember that, moving into the, the new millennia. And we had all these systems that smart programmers decided to only use two digits to store the year. Uh, which I guess made sense in 1982 uh, when they said, okay, great, this product will expire in 95, not realizing that when the clock um, in the year turned uh, zero, zero, all of a sudden all their products were marked as being expired products because it's like, wow, okay, <laughs> you have negative years now because, you know, Anyway, I don't need to explain Y2K. So the situation was, was that we had to deal with getting this data from all these systems. And there were all these uh, evolving companies whose primary mission was just to connect data sources to each other and do things like you know, manipulate the data, 
uh, just get it into whatever you need it to get into. And the general category for that is called integration middleware. Now, it's not exactly a positive term. If you walk up to a company whose primary job is building software to move data from point to point and say, oh, you're integration middleware, they'll look at you and be like, don't be calling me that. <laughs> <laughs> because they see as it's minimizing. They're like, you're telling me I'm some software in between other software. That's what middleware is. It's like, I'm like in between software. You know, I'm not even the sandwich. I'm like, you know, the piece of cheese in the sandwich. And we're like, yeah, I mean, you can't have the sandwich without cheese. I don't understand what you're complaining about. But there are a lot of companies that have been in this market literally since the 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s, two decades. They are still around. And a lot of them are just like sitting on old mainframes, managing the fact that it's like, yeah, you might want your cloud environment, but guess what? This data that's sitting here at big bank, big telecommunications firm, government agency is still sitting on a mainframe and you can't get it out with my piece of cheese, without my piece of cheese, that is. So uh, that's that whole <laughs> space. So we talk about those folks. Um, you know, the funny thing is they don't, they, 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 they just see themselves as, as um, you know, necessary components. I don't want to call themselves survivors, but they're basically compo necessary components. And they don't really care too much about AI, let's be honest. But but in a lot of systems, if you're trying to, to extract value from them, like medical imaging, you might have your images might be stored on some very proprietary system that, that stores their medical images in a very proprietary way. And you might be trying to train your images on them, but you're not going to get them out with that tool that only that one company sells or very few companies sell to extract, that's the E part, extract that data out of that proprietary system, maybe transform it and then load it into your system that you can then do your thing. The other area that we're covering here in data integration are there are a bunch of companies that don't see themselves as these old style if I don't want to, I don't want to be pejorative here, but like it's a traditional style, classical uh, integration middleware where they're, they're creating like a new virtual data layer, which is saying, we will connect with all these legacy systems, but basically kind of query us as if we're like some sort of virtual database. So you query us like a database, then we will go get the data from other sources. So that's why it's called a virtualized data layer. They're not actually really necessarily storing the data. Maybe they've got some caching or something, but they're acting as a um, abstraction. And we will spend more time on data integration where all this is heading uh, definitely in future um, podcast episodes. Exactly. And, you know, I had touched upon it uh, at the beginning, but we will be diving deeper into each of these, especially as we produce research and snapshots on this. Stay tuned. Very soon, we will be producing a snapshot on synthetic data. And so we plan to have a podcast kind of digging deeper into that, into the market intelligence that we found there, insights that we have on that space. So yes, definitely stay tuned. Um, for all of this, we plan on diving a lot deeper into all of these different areas. But again, this podcast really is just meant as an overview for our data infrastructure layer in our layer cake to kind of talk about it, say, you know, what's involved in each of these, why it's in there, how it's important. So that's uh, hopefully what you will get from listening to today's podcast. So within that data engineering and data ops, we have data integration. But then we also have data preparation. Again, you know, it would be nice if data was just super clean and came to you in a way that you could use it, but that is not the real world. Anybody that's used data at all knows that. 
So data preparation is really meant, you know, how do you make sure that you prepare that data so that you actually can use it? Because remember, this is just how are we getting all of that data? How are we, you know, collecting it, generating it, storing it, storing it, querying it, and then, you know, getting it ready for use. So within data preparation, we have data curation and data prep tools. And originally when we did back in 2019, when we had our first data labeling report, we actually had data preparation and data labeling combined into one report. Since then, we've broken it out. And now you can see we have data prep in its own area because we said this really is different. The companies in this space are different. The idea is different. And so it's important to break it out into its own area. Yeah. And we will definitely spend more time. This this area of, area of data curation is a new space. Um, you might be thinking, why we've have we've had data integration and preparation for a really long time, but what's happening is that um, organizations are realizing that you don't need all of the data <clears throat> to train machine learning models specifically, but for other applications, we only need some of the data. And um, the problem that I think uh, these companies are solving is that a lot of organizations don't really know how to figure that out. Like, do I really need all of my images? to train a um, image recognition system? And the answer is you don't, you need enough, but you need enough of the right kind of images. You need to select so you don't have to introduce bias, right? We have all these problems. Uh, you know, I don't want to inadvertently maybe pick the first thousand images and not realizing that they were all taken at the same time of day or something. And we have like a night versus day <laughs> data bias or like, you know, we're picking like, uh, I haven't filtered things correctly, or yeah. it's like in alphabetical order, and I didn't randomly select you right. know, from my data. So these data curation tools is an aspect of data preparation because it's, it's it's selecting the right data and it's preparing and it's providing an aspect of preparation. So uh, it's a hot market, you know. A lot of new companies. We're gonna we're gonna keep an eye on that. So the next little aspect of this area of of generally what we're calling data engineering, and I, and we are aware that data engineering as a term. Um, has right now maybe some particular, uh, you know, perception that it's about moving data around, uh, creating data engineering pipelines, which is basically moving data around and introducing these stages in the pipeline where it does certain things, right? But it, but all of these things that we're talking about, integration, preparation, augmentation, all aspects of engineering. And as a successful data engineer, you would need to know how to do these things. One of these things you have to do is augment the data because the data may not have what you need to uh, solve a particular problem. I'll talk about it generically and, and Kathleen will talk about it specifically. It might mean that like if you have customer data and I need like information about their credit history, let's say for some banking thing, I'm, I'm going to go have to query some third-party credit. I'm not going to be maintaining my own credit history, so I'll go query it. Or maybe it might be some real estate thing and I may need more information about the location, the school, whatever. So all that stuff is generally what we need to do. When we say data augmentation, there are tools and systems to help us augment it. But there's a very particular kind of data augmentation that we need for machine learning because the data that we have doesn't have this extra data that machines need for learning. Exactly. So Ron had talked about, you know, supervised learning in particular, where you need to tell the machine what what it is, you know, quote unquote, seeing. So if that's an image or even if that's audio or text, 
Uh, and that's data labeling. And we have covered this space for quite some time. We have a recent podcast on this, and we encourage you to check that out. We'll link to it in the show notes as well, so that you can hear about our coverage in the data labeling space. But this really is where you're making sense of that unstructured data, and you're giving it a label so that the computer knows what it is. A very common example is always, you know, there's a cat in this image. Well, you as a human need to go in and label that image and say, this is a cat, this is a cat. You can break that down farther and say, you know, this is a particular type of cat, or this is the, you know, this is an orange cat, or this is, you know, a Siamese cat, whatever you, whatever you'd like to label it, how specific you get. Uh, You can also do that with uh, audio as well. So you can label different parts of speech. You can label, uh, you know, a, a bunch of different things. This is incredibly important. This is a hot space. And, you know, we call this the Achilles heel of AI because if machines were able to just understand what was in an image, we wouldn't need to label it but they don't. So we need to go in and label it and humans need to be going in and labeling all of that data. So it, you know, it is an incredibly hot area. Like we said, we produced a snapshot back in December of 2021. And this podcast is being released in January of 2022. Uh, You know, we regularly update our market intelligence and coverage on the various areas And within data labeling, we, I mean, this space, you know, every turn when we do anything, we uncover a new vendor. We now have 181 vendors that we're covering. Back in December, when we produced our snapshot, there was 133. So that can give you just, you know, a sense of how big this space is. And this is just one area of our entire data infrastructure. It falls in data augmentation and we have, you know, data labeling specifically in there. So it's important to understand understand where it fits. Like I said earlier, when we covered it, we had data preparation and data labeling together. And then we said, no, we actually do need to separate that out. Synthetic data was once in that data labeling category as well. But we said, no, really, it's about generation. Synthetic data is really about data generation. And that's why we decided to break it out into its own, into its own separate area from data labeling. Right. So... We just talked about a lot here, and this all falls under, as mentioned, the general understanding of what we mean by data infrastructure. You might be thinking, I say, oh, I need data infrastructure. You might be thinking just about the storage part, but but you know that misses quite a bit because what do we need to do to actually make all of this data useful to somebody? And that's the interesting thing about this. Everything we just talked about here, these are not the applications of the data. We haven't talked about what we're going to do with this data. You know, we, we, we are we going to be doing reporting? Are we going to be building a machine learning model? We talked about building training data, but we didn't talk about actually building the model. You know, what are we going to do with this data? Are we going to do some automation with it? Are we going to put it on the website? These are this whole set of things is is everything that we need to generate, store, integrate, prepare, and augment and transform this data to make it useful to somebody. Now we can do the I layer. Now we can do the information layer, or we could do the K layer, extract some knowledge, find the patterns in the data, build some models to repeatedly do that. Or if we're lucky, maybe solve even the understanding layer, move <laughs> our way up and figure out if we can know what this data is meaningful all about, maybe eventually get to wisdom and self-awareness, which we may never get to. But we can definitely not do this without this data infrastructure layer. So 
Um, right now we have this as we actually visualize this as a bit of an image and uh, uh, to, to visualize this, the, the, the layer cake, it is undergoing some transformation. Uh, so I would say keep an eye on our Cognolytica site, go to C-O-G-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com. Our site will be definitely changing. <laughs> You'll see our left side coverage areas will, will be focused now on data analytics, automation, and AI. And this data infrastructure here will be underneath, of course, the data uh, side. So you can kind of see all the different aspects of it. So stay tuned with us. We're going to keep you guys educated. We'll keep you informed on this podcast. So definitely stay subscribed. We're going to be diving into each of these areas, not just talking about what these areas are, but we'll talk to you a little bit about how these markets are changing and how you as practitioners putting AI into practice today can make use of it, um, of this knowledge. Exactly. So as Ron mentioned, please do subscribe to the AI Today podcast. You'll get updated on all of our podcasts that we have coming up. Uh, We do publish weekly. We've been publishing weekly on Wednesdays for now on our fifth season. Uh, We have, you know, we're excited about the coverage that we have upcoming, including some more information and we'll, we'll, you know, dig into a podcast on synthetic data and some of the market insights that we're seeing in that space. That space, you know, is really blowing up more vendors in that space than there used to be. There's been some acquisitions. We talked about that a little in some previous podcasts, but we'll dig more into that and kind of what it means for the space and where it's growing, where it's projected to grow and all of that in a future podcast. So definitely make sure to subscribe so that you can get notified of that and all of our future podcasts. We also always love hearing from our guests. So thank you to everybody that's reached out. You can always reach out at info at cognolytica.com, or you can find us on LinkedIn and connect with us that way. We love to hear from our listeners about different areas of coverage that you're interested in, what you're doing at your various organizations, and how we can continue to help moving forward. With that too, we always love to get ratings on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. So please do, you know, make sure to rate us. That helps other people find our podcast as well. And we do check it out. We love to hear your feedback there. So definitely don't forget to subscribe and to rate us. And with that, you know, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I'll make sure to link to some of those uh, additional podcasts we talked about, as well as our data labeling snapshot that came out in December of 2021 to this report or to this, to the show notes of this podcast. Like this episode and want to hear more? With hundreds of episodes and over 3 million downloads, check out more AI Today podcasts at AIToday.live. Make sure to subscribe to AI Today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, or your favorite podcast platform. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools handcrafted for you, our listeners, to expand your knowledge dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. Check it out at aitoday.live slash list. This sound recording and its contents are copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.